Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Orange is a New Black podcast. I am your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim Hude. The Bengals are going <laughs> kind of downward. They're on the downward spiral this year. Uh, they dropped one to the Ravens. Uh, first of all, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us under the name Cincy Jungle. We're part of the SB Nation Syndicate. All of our episodes, if you're confused when you get there and you see a bunch of podcasts, all of our episodes will start with the acronym OITMB. So any of those that you see belong to us. But feel free to check out the other podcasts. You've got the Orange and Black Insider You've got Matt's uh, breakdown of the play, so check that out. You also have Sorry If I Spit When I Speak, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast and get us some downloads. We appreciate that. Also, leave us a review if you like as well. Um, I am Ace Boogie of New Stripe City. You can find me on YouTube at New Stripe City. He is Zim Hude. You can find him on Instagram at Zim underscore Hude. Let's get into it, man. It's it's funny because and this is why you guys need to subscribe to our podcast and our content um, because a lot of the things that we talked about, Zim, going into this game actually ended up coming to fruition. So what are your thoughts on how the game played out? Uh, the game I thought was pretty, pretty much how I thought it would go. It's just going to be a lack of impact players. It's going to be a lack of uh, – of coaching awareness, I think, because it's so early in the Zach Taylor stages, which kind of scares me moving forward. I'm not going to lie. Um, but it's just, it's just a lack of playmakers. Even even if you had an A.J. Green in that game, I think I, – I, I do think – that's a good question I want to ask you. Let me ask you this. Somebody did pose that question to me. It's like if A.J. Green was there and you had Auden Tate killing it, if you guys didn't see Auden Tate had like 98 yards, I think seven catches, absolute beast, one-on-one. Same things that have played them all this time. There's no separation, so he has to make all these spectacular catches. But, Ace, let me ask you this. If A.J. Green were to play in that game, do you think that the Bengals win, Kai, go to overtime? Is that game any different? I think that the game is different because I think that the way that Baltimore would approach that game defensively uh, would have been totally different. And it's just because of, you know, A.J. Green is the Ravens killer, right? So there's no way that they would have had, I think, the same game plan knowing that A.J. Green would have been there. I think Auden Tate caught them by surprise, uh, but I think you would have seen a lot of things kind of open up for them if A.J. Green was in that game. Uh, I do feel like, I mean, we're talking about a guy, right, and I, I don't want to be that guy, but we're talking about a guy that had three touchdowns against them, I want to say, in one half uh, last year. So yeah, I think that, football game. Yeah. Right. And even when we talked to um we had Engravens on, he talked about, you know, how much of AJ Green has been a factor. Like even in games that we didn't win, you think about that that Hail Mary, right, where the pass gets tips to AJ and the game goes into overtime. And not only that, Engravens also brought up the fact that not only does AJ kill them, he's particularly killed them in Baltimore. So 
I think that he would have actually been an X factor in this game. I, I do truly believe that because he stretches the field. You know, some of those catches that were dropped, I think, early on where that would have kept like a drive going. I think AJ makes those catches. So I do think that um that that he would have given them a chance to at least at minimum tie that game. I mean, the other the other question that was posed to me too was the things that Marvin Lewis always had the Ravens number. Do you feel as though like see to me as much as the defense we I I I will sound like a broken record every week on him. <laughs> it, it's just it's maddening like and I think it's a product of everyone after the game. I tried to take like a silent approach this week. I just wanted to watch the game. I was at the game. I just watched it from, like, a uh, like a suite level. A, a guy lived not too far from Baltimore. So, a guy know he has a suite. So, I stayed there. I was silent. I just want to observe. And from a coaching standpoint, there are a lot of things that Marvin Lewis did, it, uh, you know, like, in, in his turn, in his tenure with the Bengals, that I thought he always did really, really well um, to try to make sure that Justin Tucker wasn't involved in the game, but Justin Tucker would get involved anyway. Um, and there's a lot of different things that I saw that Zach Taylor hasn't quite adjusted to yet. But I will say that the defense did enough. Like, they did enough. Like, I mean, I know um, Lamar Jackson runs for 150 yards, and I know he ran for, you know, X, I mean, I mean, he threw for, I think, what, 200 yards or something. But to me, if you just score, you, you the, the time of possession – it's just like killer. So when you're when you're dominating a football game and the time of possession is live, like they literally had three or four more possessions more than the Bengals based off the time of possession. With that happening, the defense could give up a thousand yards to me as long as they're not allowing the team to score over twenty four points. That's our threshold that I say every single week. Then you should win the football game, especially if you have an offensive. Hand, these are these are hand quotes I'm throwing up. Offensive genius or offensive-minded coach, like you shouldn't be scoring ten points and then walk away from the game and say, "Oh my God, the Ravens just ran all over us." Like, what do you right. think is going to happen if you're on the football field or defense for seventy percent of the game? That's like a math that's a math equation that you just cannot solve if you're on the field and your offense doesn't get a chance. And it's three and out, three and out, and y'all never get the run game established. You never get any play action going. You don't have anything that looks like any resemblance of an offense. And your only touchdown came from special teams. But the only thing that we hear is the defense gave up X amount of yards, and the offensive line cannot protect Andy Dalton. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> when are y'all going to wake up? Like, this is our call to you. Wake up. The same guy that you could have picked in Lamar Jackson, the same guy that you could have picked in Kyler, I mean, like, like say you had a bad year and you got a number one. All the people that said Kyler Murray was trash. All the people that said that Russell Wilson has a line. All the people that said that Josh Allen is trash. All these guys came in and beat your quarterback mano a mano. And you could go to any rep. You could go to any offensive line uh, thing that you want to go to. You could build up any excuse in the world. But your quarterback didn't score not one touchdown. And you walk away from the game with excuse after excuse nine years later. The defense did what they had to do. If the offense had did what they had to do, 
then the defense would have probably only gave up 14, 17. You, I give them an extra touchdown or extra two field goals, two field goals just based on, you know, like maybe they're not the greatest defense of all time. I'm not even saying that. But without Carlos Dunlap, only what one sack from Carl Lawson. Like I mean, they they held it down, bro. Like I'm sorry, that, that, I, I didn't want to go off like that, but it's just like maddening to me that. There's still a million Dalton lovers out there that absolutely don't buy into the fact that a quarterback will change your team around. Look at Sam Darnold. Like, who would have thought the right. Jets would have beat the Cowboys yesterday, right? The Jets right. look trash, right? Sam right. Darnold comes back in. Boom. Boom. Look at Jared Goff. He now has less weapons um, available to him during the – I mean, they figure out the, uh, they figure out the offense. They 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 take down the um, offensive line, uh, lost a bunch of pieces and stuff like that throughout uh, from last year to this year. They figure them out. Now the 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 team doesn't look as good. Now the defense doesn't look as good. It's always the quarterback. It's the it's the driving force in the computer. And I'm sorry we have to talk about your boy Dalton every week, people. But it is what it is. Uh, I think you hit on some great points, Zim. Uh, first, first I want to go back to a couple of things. I know you um, you asked earlier how many passing yards Lamar Jackson had. So he had 236 passing yards. He had 19 rush attempts for 152 yards, a rushing touchdown. Uh, Andy Dalton had a rushing touchdown, but I think you made a great point. I was also um, – I actually was pretty active yesterday on Twitter. For those um, who follow me, my Twitter is at New Stripe City, and – I I felt those same frustrations that um, Zim has had because, to me, I think that there's some unnecessary scapegoats being used. You know, I hear a lot of people talking about, like Zim said, the defense, right? Uh, anybody that's talking about this defense cannot have watched that defense that we had last year because, to me, it's night and day. It's not even close to being as not bad as close. that defense. Not it's even not close. even close. I'm hearing people talk about Fire Lou Arumu, like, Luarumu makes makes uh who was the guy that we had last year? Terrell Austin. Oh yeah. Look yeah. Like oh my god! Like Terrell Austin makes Luarumu look like he's like Mike Zimmer. So let's just start there. The second thing that you hit on, I talked and tweeted about this before the game too. I said that this was going to be a horrible matchup for the Bengals because the Ravens coming into the game were number one in the league at time of possession. The Bengals were near the bottom half of the league, I think near the bottom, actually, of the league in terms of time of possession. That matters, people. That matters. Big, go big out there. time. Big time. Big exactly. Time. Exactly. When you go out there and you start off a drive where you return a kick for a touchdown, the Ravens get the ball and score a touchdown, and you go back and you do a three and out, a three and out, and three and out. That matters, people. That means that your defense, just like Zim said, is on the field for 70% of the time. That can't happen. They stepped up and made plays when they needed them, especially when you look at the third quarter when they came out. They had some very big stops against them. But you, if the offense is not giving them anything, primarily Andy Dalton, and this was another thing, I was so frustrated with the beginning of that game because I started getting tweets where people really tried to start blaming the Bengals receivers. And I'm looking across, and I'm like, who does Lamar Jackson have? Marquise right. Brown was injured right. for the for the entire game. He was out right. the game. 
Um, they were depending on a rookie wide receiver and, you know, a guy, I can't even recall his name. That's how trash he is. He played at UC. Like, he had zero weapons except Mark Andrews. And I'm looking at. Oh, and Boykin. And Boykin. Ben Boykin, that's the rookie receiver that I was talking about. No, but yeah, it, yeah. it was it was crazy to me because um, they were like, oh, the Bengals receivers can't catch and all of this. I was like, hold on a second. I I told a lot of people about Auden Tate uh, when we drafted him because, you know, at the time I lived in Tallahassee, I watched FSU. Auden Tate is known for having great hands. So when people were saying that, I'm like, you got two receivers that are known for having great hands, Auden Tate and Tyler Boyd. They're probably near the top of the league or the top of the – at least on the Bengals, they're some of the most sure-handed receivers on the team. You also mm-hmm. had Tyler Eifert. You also had a Joe Mixon that you could throw to out of the backfield. You have yeah. a Giovanni – like, what are you guys talking about? Like, stop assigning <laughs> blame away I'm from where you better. Go. I'm going to do you one better, right? What about the linebacker thing, right? People are like, Ravens need linebackers. Yes, they do. We do that. But name me the Ravens linebacker. You can't. You can't. And I remember I did a preview on the Ravens. I did a preview on the Ravens. Just so you guys, I've got receipts on all of this. You guys can go back to my channel and watch my preview on the Ravens um, and also watch a roundtable. I said that there's really not a difference between the Bengals linebackers and the Ravens linebackers because they're both trash. They are both trash. They've been getting killed all year. I think people still remember when the Ravens played the Dolphins and think that the Ravens are just some powerhouse defensive juggernaut. Like, no, that is not them. They, uh, they I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to like limit like them. I, congrats to them for winning the game. They were definitely the better team. But to sit there and think that the, the Ravens defense is anything close to what they were before is like silly. You can't even name anybody on their linebacking core. You can't name half of their running backs outside of Mark Ingram. You can't name like all these positions that. These are guys that – this is the argument that we've been having for the last couple of weeks is, like, I'm telling guys, like, hey, look, we got to get rid of some of these older guys. Like, I'm sorry, Gio just got signed, but if they can't use them correctly, why not have that cap space? Or, like, these older guys that um, need to go, right, in my opinion, to, to get ready and stop pal draft packs, right? But the argument to me is always – and even you told me, you posed this to me. You said, but what about the talent from the – like where it, like we could talk about all this talent, right? But Geno Atkins, Gio Bernard, Tyler Eifer, right, and Dunlap who didn't play. But if they're so talented, why are we on six? And that's the question that I pose to everybody. Like they can't be that talented if we're on six. Zell, I hate to be this guy, but I'm gonna say it. And people are gonna gonna say, well, well, what about Zach Taylor? Well, what about Lou Anarumu dropping Billings and Gino in the coverage? It's Andy Dalton. That is the reason why these guys struggle, and I'll tell you why. So, number one, it's not just because Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton, right? It's because of those three and outs that ends up burning out our defense. It's because of yeah. um, the lack of the ability to put up any points. It's the turnovers when you have this guy come in and make all of these turnovers and things of that nature. Those things, and that's why I say the only thing keeping me from a rebuild is because I want to see these same guys with somebody else under center because he affects the entire trajectory of the game. Like we're talking about a man that touches the ball literally more than any other player on the field. 
he has more impact on that game than anybody. And that is the only reason – that's the only reason that I feel so strongly about that is because it's like, man, if you had anybody else in there, if you had Russell Wilson in there, this team oh. is not that bad. If they had Russell Wilson, they'd be above 500 right now. Because think about the games that they lost, including Baltimore yesterday. Like, that's four and two. Like right. you got like to me that'd be four and two and at the worst three and three would just you could give me Josh Allen, you could give me Darnold, all the quarterbacks that I thought like no way that any NFL team should touch them. But it turns out that college is preparing these guys a lot better. And I think right. a lot of people that might be a little bit older than us, a lot of people that um, even if they're young, they may be listening to their father's father's father and it's like, Oh no, you gotta groom this guy, you gotta like no. Look around the NFL. These guys are having instant success. And even even the worst quarterback that we went through last week that you could probably say maybe is one of the worst starting quarterbacks is Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky went two of those games just with his feet, just because he can run. Like, and that's the difference. Like, if Andy Dalton isn't is staying in the pocket or has pocket awareness to throw three, four touchdowns a game or even two per game, then – he is he is a liability in the new NFL period, and I and I do agree with you that it is a domino effect. But even still, the guys that are really 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 good that everybody's saying like they're so much talent, like it's not that I don't think that they're good anymore. You know, Atkins can absolutely wreck a football game, especially if you get a team um, playing from behind, right? And you know that they got to throw. Geno Atkins is gonna or is gonna ruin the game plan of before, like. That's the one thing that the Bengals need to do is get a lead. I always said that. Get a lead. Get a, get a team in a passing. Like, no hesitation. Don't have to uh, protect. Don't have to stay in for the run. Just go straight at the quarterback, right? They don't ever get that. So, I I, I will give you that scenario. But the so, only, but the only right. thing is that they just aren't – he isn't showing up at all. And, and if he were to show up, I might change my mind a little bit. But this is the thing. When you do get the new quarterback – now a new four-year window is now open, right? By the time that quarterback is good, my argument is that Eifert is too old, Atkins is too old, Geo is too old, Dunlap is too old, A.J. Green can stay around, stick around with Larry Fitzgerald level and help out a quarterback. I will give you that. But other than that, like, they're, they're outside of their prime. They're 33, 34 by the time this new quarterback is good. So why hang on to something that, it won't manifest itself like right now. Unless you had Tua come in here next year and he just absolutely lights the damn thing up. But it's still usually like a two, three-year window before these guys are like playoff contention-type quarterbacks or you find out that they regress like a Mariota or somebody. Right, right. I think um, a thing that I also brought up too, Zim, that I, I think that you're you're spot on when you talk about those older players. But I think another thing, and it's, there's so many enigmas surrounding this team, right? But when we talk about, like, why haven't, you know, a Carlos Dunlap and a Geno Atkins been good, to me, I brought this point up on Twitter. Look at what the front office has put around them. Like, this, we not only have do we have, like, the linebacker issue, the Bengals won't get help at linebacker, right? They have been literally not getting Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap, anybody around them that is formidable, for the past five years, like, yeah. this is my thing, too. Like, a lot of people, and I'm starting to, like, look at things, and a lot of people point to, 
oh, well, well, Ace, we have Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson is amazing. The truth of the matter is that Carl Lawson in the last 10 games has had one sack. And then people will try to throw at me like, oh, well, you know, he's got the pass rush win rate and all of this. It's not a win to me unless you get a sack, bro. Like, that's what a win is for me. And, like, when you look around the league, you look at the top edge rushers and you look at the, the teams that are near the top in terms of pressure, you look at the 49ers. Look how loaded that team is. Like, outside of Andrew Billings and, you know, Carl Lawson, right, and maybe Sam Hubbard, who I think is a pretty decent edge rusher, but he's not anybody that's off the charts. He's a liability in the run, too. He's a huge liability in the run game. Huge, huge liability. Teams go right at Sam Hubbard every week, I promise you. Like, go, uh, Matt Minich, who is on the Cincy Jungle Syndicate with us and doing it, please, everyone, check it out. Check out Sam Hubbard. And Matt is actually, he actually reached out to me on this point. When you look at it, though, on the offensive side, you've got Joe Mixon. You've got um, Tyler Boyd, right, helping that A.J. Green and, and that Andy Dalton and that older veteran um, with Tyler Eifert and stuff like that. Who do they have like that on defense? They don't have a Joe Mixon on that defensive line. They don't have a Tyler Boyd kind of guy on that defensive line. When you look at all of these other defensive lines, they are loaded. The Jacksonville Jaguars were loaded last year on defensive line. They had a top-five pick. What did they spend it on? Josh Allen, another edge rusher. Like, these teams are at least four to five deep at defensive line. The Bengals, yeah. to me, they're two and maybe a half. The half is if Carl Lawson is actually healthy and on the field, he's that half. If Sam Hubbard is actually on that game, he's that half. If Andrew Billings decides to play stout in the run game and Ryan Glasgow do their thing, then they're that half. The issue is they're never consistent altogether. So for me, that's one of the biggest issues too. And when you look at it, that main issue is because the Bengals have not, this front office has not addressed that issue in the first two rounds. I looked up found a list of someone's version of the top ten edge rushers in the NFL. Literally 96% of them were taken within the first round. Yeah. In, 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 the, in the philosophy in the third of the round was Ngakwe. The yeah, Bengals never take edge rusher. The last they're time not, they took an edge rusher in the second round, Dunlap. Like, that is why I feel like that also contributes to it because you're depending on a Geno Atkins, who's the exception to the rule as a defensive tackle being able to get 10 sacks. You're expecting him to be the second guy to get 10 sacks when the way that it works for every other team is you have two guys that are edge rushers. You should have one Carlos Dunlap, and that's a guy that can get 10. You should have another guy opposite of him that can get 10, and then you should get whatever you can from your Geno Atkins. And that's why the Bengals, I feel like, struggle on the defensive line. And the front office needs to be held accountable because there are so many guys that they can get, and they never get them. And everybody knows that this defensive line, it's only a two-man group. Like, let's just be real, people. When but, you look but, at it, it's a two-man group. It's the structure of the draft, though. Like, I, I, I'm not mad at – all right, so this is where I think we might disagree a little bit, right? A lot of those right. teams that you're naming, uh, the Jaguars, you could probably look at the Broncos, different things like that, they don't have an offensive weapon that – I mean, the Broncos are lucky with Emmanuel Sanders or who didn't do anything yesterday, but – the teams that you're saying, think about this, though, what you're saying. 
if you would have drafted second round, I forgot who was who when they drafted Tyler Boyd was at that spot. Then you don't have a Tyler Boyd, or instead of drafting Joe Mixon, then you're getting you know what I'm saying. It's like right. a trade off, and I, and I'm not mad at offense. Like I want offense because to me, like I say it every week, and I and I I think because people think that maybe me and you maybe a little younger, or maybe I'm younger or something like that. Uh, they think that I'm. I want this from an in- entertainment value. Like, no, I'm not looking at this from an entertainment value. I'm looking at the greatest uh, teams that have gone to the uh, Super Bowl. The teams that are defensive minded, whatever, those teams can't really exist. I don't. I feel like the Jaguars, like two years ago, were like the closest thing I saw to that, or whatever. But like the '85 Bears, it would be impossible to construct that like today and still have like that. That that type of running back, you know, like a Walter Payton on the other side of it, in a in a in a decent, you know, what I'm saying, in a hardball, like it's right. so hard to construct that type of team. Is my point. To and be if, honest with you, though, I I don't I'm not asking for them to get like an amazing team. I'm just saying the last time the Bengals took an edge rusher tra- in the first round was 2005. Though. Like that's the last time they took an edge rusher was oh, 2005. Hold on, hold on. We know, listen, me and you both wanted Ed Oliver this year because that makes right. Geno Atkins better, right? I wanted right. Maurice Hurst. Remember when everybody right. was scared because he had something wrong with his heart? But now he's balling in Oakland. Even, right. when, his late, even when his later round pick, even right. the linebacking core, like Cashman I'm watching last night with the Jets, even when, even when his later picks, they, right. they choose to go like six round, seven round wide receiver instead of like, Styling like the defensive line position and just cutting it. Like they, they have no problem cutting like these bum offensive line guys that they just draft in the third, fourth, and they don't ever pan out, or dudes that are crazy like Westerman that just end up like just not panning out. But they right. have this problem with like trying to like reach on like I mean not even reach but just go get that they'll wait to get guys that aren't good in the defensive line like Devin Steele or something like that. Like what was it, a third round pick or something? Like don't get Take guys. Second-round pick, right? They'll, they'll get guys later, like second, third, that aren't really that good, but then they'll pass on the first-round guys. Like, I agree with you 100%. But the trade-off to me is this, too. It'd be hard to have, like, a Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, all of these guys that we're, that we really, really like. I think it'd be really tough to have those guys and have the first-round guys that you're you're talking about. Because but then you, them, then, then you might not have Jonah Williams, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, but think about this. They picked Cedric Obwehi and Jake Fisher back-to-back. You don't think they, one of those years they could have taken another edge rusher or a but linebacker? At the, but at that time, hell yeah. I, they should take one every damn year early, right? Because most right. of my draft is offensive predicated anyway. So I want right. you to give me studs like Devin Bush. Right. Give me him. Give me somebody like that first round. Then most of my drafts that I highlight are always offensive minded. Then I go deep, defensive heavy at the at the back of the draft or whatever, just to, in case you miss on something. But the right. way to attack defense world is like, yeah, every year go get you a Joe Mixon, like go get you a Oliver, go get you Josh Allen, go get you those guys every year. But the problem is now you got to go get a quarterback because you right. neglected the position all that time, so you can't even come back next year and go get a first round um, defensive lineman. You come back in the second. You might be saying, eh, I don't even know about that because a lot of these guys right now, like on offense or whatever, like Eifert and these guys like that, they're going to be gone. Sample doesn't look like a short five thing. He had a really good block on that screen, on that mixing screen yesterday, though. But other than that, um, it, it's a, it's. I love the argument, though. Like, I, I'm with you 100%. Like, it, 
there's a way to strategize it, but you got to kind of look at it from like a future standpoint. But the one, the draft that you're talking about, way is a little not fair to them because at the time they had a solid, incredible team that looked like it was going to be good for the next two, three years, right? And the right. only reason why they went and got Cedric Obey because they're like, when Whitworth gets a little older, we're going to have a backup ready to go. When, um, oh, God, I can't think of the guy's name. Uh, when which uh, is isn't ready to go, then Jake Fisher's going to come in. Um, and, right. and, and I felt like it was a solid plan because at the time, you're talking about a team that should win like 12 games every year. They weren't thinking right. like and, – and Geno Atkins is like 29, 28, you know what I'm saying? So it's like they're not thinking that the whole damn thing is just going to crumble in their face, but they're stupid, right. and they don't think like uh, – like they don't watch the trends in the NFL. Like look how long – we talk about the Jaguars and the Broncos defense, right? They were like, I'm talking about like elite, one of the best defenses. Broncos defense is still pretty good, but that even the window on that closes very, very shortly because you can't you can't sign those guys. Oh, it's, it's tough. It's tough, man. You know it's, I mean? it's right. very it's very tough. But I think I think um honestly I think it's more of their stubborn their stubborn ways of drafting because I think that. You know, they have these exceptions that happen. Like, you, you somehow land a Geno Atkins in the third round. You know, you somehow get Carlos Dunlap, who probably should have went in the first but didn't because of a DUI at Florida. They get him in the second round. And I think that they just thought, like, hey, well, that's the exception. We got a Vontez Burfick as an undrafted free agent. We don't have to draft these guys in the first round anymore. And that's just where I kind of tend to get upset with the front office because it's like, you need to be picking these guys. Like, I'm not saying to just always draft edge rushers. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying within a 15-year span, you should have drafted an edge rusher in the first round. Like, you should have drafted a linebacker. Like, yeah. It's like they were snake bitten yeah. by Keith Rivers. They And then this is the thing, too, Zim. Look at every – and that's why I get scared when, when it's like, let's ship off Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap. Not because they're old and things like that. It's because I don't trust this team to draft the right guys. I still have nightmares about Devin Steele, Brandon Thompson, Marcus Hardison, Marcus Hunt. Um, there's so Whoa. many guys right now Whoa. that I can throw out that they have drafted, Whoa. that they have drafted that were supposed to be the guys that they were setting next to Geno and Carlos Dunlap that have been complete busts that – you know, they got lucky with, with Billings and, and uh, Glasgow. They did a good job with those guys and obviously Carl Lawson. But when you look at anybody else other than that, I, I can even talk about Dante Moak if you want me to. They have really missed at that position. And so that's what scares me is, okay, okay, cool, let's get rid of Geno, let's get rid of Dunlap, but are we bringing in another Devin Steele? Are we bringing in another De- Brandon Thompson? How does that dynamic change from there? That's what worries me with, the front office, and that's why I think I had to take a critical eye at them. And you also know, like, remember when we had the roundtable, I was like, the Bengals need to draft two linebackers, not one, two, early, (laughs) early. And it's because – It makes me sick watching all the guys that we could have drafted, like the later guys. Oh, my God. Like like I was was talking about Cashman. You pair that up with, like, a Pratt, yeah, we, we would be in better shape. So then maybe they don't score 23 yesterday. Maybe that's 17, you know, like, because the teams are doing the same exact thing. So I'm not mad at the defense. Like, people saying that the defense is trash are not understanding that they just don't have talent in some of these positions. And from a coaching standpoint, not to get blown out, like the Ravens did the Dolphins yesterday, to me is a win. And I feel like they got better and they let players that are younger play. 
That's what right. I meant by that earlier. I'm not saying that the defense is good. They got a lot of work to do. But, you know, this this is what we're going to be talking about every week, I think. It's like the overall standpoint. And probably less right. of the focus is on the game. To me, to go into how they just stayed in cover two most of the game, uh, Jesse, you know, like to go through these different points, to me, is like, it's so pointless. It's just like, right. let's talk about, like, who are we keeping and what are we doing moving forward? Like, I can't I can't get my mind out of that. Like, each game, I am right. sorry. During the game, I am cheering for our players to do well. Um, even if you have a fantasy football team, I have, like, three or four Bengals on my team. So, I am absolutely cheering for us to do well. But at the same time, I had to talk to somebody yesterday. I said, what are you so sad about? We are closer to the number one pick because I do not trust the front, the front office to pick anybody Unless it's a slam dunk, guarantee, whatever. I don't trust their assessment or anything. I'm almost scared with the, the impact. If you guys watch college football, the guy, uh, Burrow, uh, Burrow from LSU, Joe Burrow, the, the better that he gets, now it puts – I don't trust the Bengals to be able to assess who's better, Joe Burrow or Tua. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. And then later on, the better quarterback you know is going to go to the other team. And, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, this is like a nightmare. I just right. want, like, a slam dunk LeBron James of a quarterback to be sitting right there in their face like a Carson Palmer, and they just can't miss it. That's the only thing that I can trust them with because I don't know, man. This is rough. Right, right. I agree with you. Um, so before we before we wrap up, I know people are going to say, well, what about Zach Taylor? Zach Taylor did um, definitely make some mistakes yesterday. I think um, the big one was maybe the Alex Erickson target on third down when that was a drive where they were going to Auden Tate. Um, but he's a rookie head coach, man, and he doesn't have his guys. So I think that you at least need to ride it out one more year with Zach. But, yes, the play calling has not been great. But he did rebound, I believe, with his play calling in the second half. It was a lot better. Um, bright spots, Brandon Wilson and Auden Tate, those were my two players of the game. Um, outside of that, Zim, do we have anything else? Did you want to comment on Zach Taylor? Because I know people are going to be like, well, you just talked about Dalton. What about Taylor? Taylor definitely did <laughs> have a great game and hasn't contributed to this season. But at the end of the day, his quarterback is Andy Dalton. I don't care if you had, you know, Dick Vermeil coaching this offense. I, it just doesn't even matter to me because you got Andy Dalton as the quarterback. It doesn't matter the, if the, the thing that does scare me. It scares me though to talk about Zach Taylor right now, like in this in this sense, right? We said this coming into the game that Marlon Humphrey is probably going to be all over Tyler Boyd and whatever. And then, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a coach, right? But the good teams that I watch, even when the Steelers had Antonio Brown, um, they always scheme their best players up to get the ball. I I don't see that at all. McVay, I felt like was really really good with that with Brandon Cooks. I feel like he, like they they played they look horrible they look worse than us yesterday on offense. Right. But but I say that to say I'm very scared moving forward with him right now because the one thing that I did think that we were going to get is our best players in space and I know John Ross isn't there and I know a lot of you don't consider him to be one of our best players but he absolutely can be schemed open and open field, and you cannot stop it. It's very, very simple. Just watching Tyree Hill just come back yesterday. Like, you don't need a lot of time. You can get him the ball in space. I'm very, very shocked to see that just because uh, Marlon Humphrey was on Tyler Boyd and he didn't free him up and Dalton is scared to pull the trigger. 
He's not going to throw in those tight windows, and he knows exactly what players to test and what players he doesn't want to test. So I give him that for maybe not throwing it to Tyler Boyd and four-speeding it like he should. But he never four-speeds the slot. He always four-speeds the outside, and that's what he did with Otter Tate. And to me, Zach Taylor, your best thing that you could come up with is just throw jump balls to Otter Tate. Like Marvin Lewis could have did that. And, I ain't, and I'm not one of them guys that say, man, we shouldn't have fired Marvin Lewis. You know, it was time to move on from Marvin Lewis. But he's not an offensive-minded coach. He didn't have the, the best offensive minds. I mean, I thought Laser had some really, really good moments, especially in the red zone. Laser, I always talked about I said, man, when they get in the red zone, they're almost unstoppable. Like, at the beginning of um, last year, I thought, right. that, like, I thought that was incredible what he did in the red zone. From the 20 to 20-yard line, not so much. But it just scares me that Zach Taylor doesn't have – the defense is going to be – like, this is the thing for me. It could be average. The defense could be average. I am not one of them guys. I just need some guys to make impact players. I always go back to the Carlos Dunlap play with the Colts last year. Impact players at the most crucial time make the big plays, take the game away from the quarterback, and win the game, right, on defense. That's all I need. And to keep them under 24. But every week, I just want the offense to be rolling and get into a rhythm and score 28 points. And right now, Zach Taylor doesn't seem like he has the answers to get these guys, like, just schemed up. Like, I just want to see plays where Tyler Boyd maybe gets a reverse or maybe takes one of them jet sweeps. Like, you have to get him the ball. The biggest Achilles heel of Marvin Lewis' era was at the biggest moment, he never let the big play, the, the players get the ball or they would try to force-feed A.J. Green because they couldn't come up with anything for single coverage on the other guys. So, and, and I'm seeing that same thing happening right now, and that does scare me because Joe Mixon is way too good to be this healthy and walk out of there with, like, what, 20, 30 yards rusher? And yeah, not even exactly. – I mean, and probably, like, what, two catches, if that? Right. It, like, that's, that's unheard of. And I'm watching Christian McCaffrey. Even when they slowed him down in the run game, Christian McCaffrey coming out of college was said to be the second-best catch-receiver um, running back and Joe Mixon being the number one. I'm watching Christian McCaffrey absolutely take over a game in the passing game just because they take away the running game. And, right. and to see Zach Taylor not adjust to that week after week is maddening to me because the blocking pass-wise was there. What, how many times did Dalton get sacked? Once? One time, and he one didn't time. see any of that pressure until one series in the fourth quarter. So the play action has got to be set up. Like, like if he if he's not getting that much pressure and he's got enough time to do that and he only got one sack on him the whole entire game, and I don't remember him being pressured that many times, more than any other NFL quarterback, you, you unicorn offensive line people out there that think this unicorn is going to come in and swoop in and everybody's going to have clean pockets, Go watch other football games. It doesn't happen that way. And to have him have a clean pocket for like sixty something, seventy percent of his dropbacks, and come back, come back with those results, is unacceptable. And part of that is Zach Taylor. So I, I am a little scared for that. But the one thing that can change all of that is a superior quarterback that can change it and take the game into his own hands, improvising. The quarterback of the future has to improvise, and that itself is how you score. That is how you get over this hump. That is how you get your defense off of the field. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Orange is the New Black Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and stick with us. Who day? Who day? <laughs>